Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. He might actually be the most derivative one of all. I mean, Christ, the same house. Maybe so. But you forgot the first rule of surviving a stab movie. Never answer the... I'm bored. Wait! And welcome back to Horror Queers. It's the end of the year, and I'm Joe. And I'm Trace, and in lieu of a film this week, since all of y'all are on vacation, hopefully, hopefully, we're going to talk about the year. Indeed, yeah. So instead of doing it as a separate kind of bonus episode, we realized nobody really listens to podcasts this week. So we're just doing it this way. We're going to do some reflections on the year. And also we've got a little best of list because we've got about 15 films plus change that we want to recognize and celebrate. Mm-hmm. I got my bottle of Chianti ready. And Joe, when I tell you, I searched for fava beans to make for this recording tonight and i could not find them <laughs> okay <laughs> that is a very specific reference i'm not sure why it has to come in for well, a 2023 wrap <laughs> I, I i was like i want to have a bottle of wine for this recording tonight and i got a chianti and i was like oh a chianti oh yeah you know i'll, right. I'll be cliche i'll get the fava beans and i went to the bean aisle both the canned and the dry beans no fava beans what is going on in Denver? I don't know. I don't know. But nevertheless, <laughs> I have my Chianti. Okay. Oh, here we go. <laughs> All right. So Trace, 2023, the year that was, let's start with a big, broad question. How did you feel about horror this year? You know, I think there were a lot of really good horror movies this year. I've seen okay. some takes on social media saying like, horror made a lot of money this year but in terms of the actual quality it was a real downward spiral compared to the last couple years and Hmm. i don't agree my my general thought on that is i think it was a very good year for horror there just weren't a ton of like oh shit five star horror films coming out this year and i think Hmm. that's where that opinion is coming from 
Right. You and I have had a number of conversations about this where it feels like we had a big run of movies that were getting threes, three and a halfs, occasionally fours. And the reality is, is that I think sometimes we're just searching for those high highs, right? We're looking for those four and a half, those five star films. But the reality is this most films are probably going to fall somewhere in the middle. So to get a really healthy smattering of like solid films, couple of issues, but mostly enjoyed it. I mean, that's a win for me. Uh, agree and you know when i was sorting my letterbox list to be like okay like, let's sort all these by my rating and see i had so <laughs> many three and a half and three star films this year yeah yeah and i wonder if that's the case right like maybe last year it just felt like we were getting you know a solid 10 or 15 four star five star films and i mean that is going to be hard to come by but I don't know. I mean, I think that there's a lot of good films this year. I think there's a lot of interesting films that, yeah, you know, maybe it's not going to be in my top horror films of all time, but I'm going to look back on them fondly and say, yeah, you know what? That was a good film. I enjoyed watching that. I think if anything outside of the like, quality of the films this year, <laughs> horror has been very popular this year. Yeah. I was reading former guest Katie Rife's article that she put up on RogerEbert.com, and <laughs> she, she does her top 10, uh, and she also does, like, oh, uh, uh, let's look at the state of horror in 2023. Right. And yeah. she credits a lot of, like, Gen Z for, like, mm. not, not to be like, oh, horror's dead, because those articles, you know, happen all right. the fucking time. Mm -hmm. um, but she credits Gen Z with a lot of the, the renewed popularity and getting people to the theaters to go see yes. horror movies. But also with like found footage and liminal horror, you know, with things oh. like the Outwaters and Skinamarink and how Skinamarink more so than the Outwaters I think made a bigger cultural impact. Mm -hmm. Both people confounded by it and people that loved it. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, both low budget bangers and people can disagree you know skinamarink and the outwaters not homes for everyone but the fact that those movies cost so little made such a big splash dominated the cultural conversation for weeks sometimes even months yeah. at a time to me that is a win for horror because people are checking it out they're developing their taste right you know if you watch skinamarink and you say i found that the scariest fucking movie of the year that is so exciting to me because then we can have a conversation about that right whereas mm -hmm. if people are just like oh i don't like horror okay well i guess we don't really have a great jumping off point well and i will say and this is gonna make this like a huge asshole but i have <laughs> wanted to be a gatekeeper of horror more this year than i ever have in my entire oh. life because okay while i am so happy that the horror genre audience is growing mm -hmm. the discourse on social media oh boy is i think it's been more frustrating this year than it ever has for me in years past just because we have so many new uh inductees into this secret society <laughs> we have <laughs> Ah, uh, yes, the publicly available secret society of horror. Yes, but I think that media literacy has been very challenging for a lot of people this year. And so it's it's a thing where I'm so happy that more people are liking horror because, yay, a win for horror is a win for all of us. Mm -hmm. But I have pulled back uh, my involvement in joining discourse because I found it more frustrating than exhilarating. Okay, so you're saying media literacy and challenging discourse do you have an example in mind like what are we talking about is it just people deliberately misreading films or people picking fights with one another like where are you coming from i don't know i mean even uh, you know i guess maybe i'm being defensive because one of my favorite films this year was robbie joe banfitch's the outwaters 
Right. I saw so many like, oh, there's no plot. And I was like, okay. Or, oh, nothing happens. and Or, mm-hmm. or oh, you can't see anything. It's just a pen light. And I'm like, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> and I'm like, but again, why? Why are all these things the way they are? Like, what? Right. And I get it. Not everything that is a five-star film for me is going to be a, even a three-star film for other people. And that film is very challenging. But mm-hmm. even with Skin and Ring, which is a movie that I was very mid on. Right. But like my husband loves. To see people just reduce it to oh this is just two hours of staring at a wall which literally that is what it is (laughs) but (laughs) i don't know i just i I wish people would engage more with the movies and the media they're 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 they're, um consuming okay that's interesting because i feel like i had a different response to those kinds of criticisms Mm -hmm. like to me that was people at least taking a risk on a film because, you know, they heard okay. there was all this buzz about the Outwaters or Skinnamarink, and they said, I need to try this because it's what people are talking about. It's what the kids are all about right now. Mm-hmm. So I almost think it's worth applauding that people maybe stepped outside of their little safe sandbox and said, I'm going to try something. I don't know if it's for me. And then, yeah, maybe they discovered it wasn't. But it sounds like maybe people's boundaries got pushed a little bit. And I don't think that's a bad thing. Uh, I agree with that. I mean, this is not a horror movie, although I think an argument could be made for how it could be a horror movie. Mm -hmm. But even seeing reactions to Todd Haynes's May, December this year, which... You love a challenging film. <laughs> a very challenging film. And look, I saw someone tweet like, how could anyone just put a Todd Haynes film on Netflix for these idiots like to just oh. watch? Like, 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 you need to know Todd Haynes to walk in. And like, whatever. Mm-hmm. But I saw uh, opinions range from, oh, wow, nothing happens. There's no plot. To, oh, this film's handling of sexual like, child rate is very um, tone deaf. And again, it was a lesson for me in like learning about hearing people's opinions on movies because i completely disagree with those opinions yeah but i don't know maybe it's more of a lesson for me to like i think ah, that's the issue though right because i want to talk to these people about these movies Mm -hmm. but when it's reduced to a a tweet there's not much you can do about that yeah i feel like last year and then this year have been really good years for me to recognize Social media is not good for my mental health. I know it's a shocking declaration, folks, but I was spending a lot of time on there in between doing socials for this pod, for my other podcasts, making the transition to writing full time. I felt like I needed to be really active and involved in the conversation. Not only did it frequently lead to me producing nonsense tweets with lots of spelling errors or (laughs) overstepping into conversations I should have just backed away from slowly. But it really helped me to realize I like long form editorials because people can actually work through things in great detail. And so many of these challenging films, and a lot of them are horror films, demand that kind of interrogation, that room to breathe and unpack and just have the conversation, right? Whereas social media is just shoot from the hip. I've got a limited amount of space. I'm maybe even just trying to rile people up and get engagement because it makes me money or it gets me popularity and so on. And I'm like, yeah, I don't need any of that. Never mind. Yeah. I mean, I still use Twitter and Instagram the most out of any social media platform, but I definitely took a conscious step back from replying to things on Twitter this year Mm -hmm. um, to where if I saw a take I didn't agree with or I saw a take that I thought was just very misguided, um... I didn't reply because then I'd be stuck, what, like waiting hours and hours for a reply, 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 reply. And it's just like, again, Mm -hmm. as you said, not good for my mental health. 
I have to understand that some people will are just watching movies casually and yeah. not with purposeful intent. Uh, maybe that's the wrong phrase, but sure, they're they're not engaging with it critically. They're just sitting there watching it. Which is also fine. Some yeah. people do that. But then, yeah, when you get online and you're then throwing stuff out into the void, people are coming out from different places. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I'm learning the self-control and the restraint to just be like, you know what? I'm going to keep scrolling and not reply to this person, even if it's someone mm -hmm. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Sometimes that's the case. Yeah. So one other conversation, and then maybe we can talk specifically about horror queers and what a year mm -hmm. we had you mentioned the popularity of horror. So we had some really big films in terms of money making. I would argue that we also saw a really wild diversity of different types of horror films. Mm -hmm. And that was pretty exciting this year, too. Any particular titles catch your eye or things that you wanted to highlight? Well, so I think it's an interesting study in IP and brand recognition, but Ooh, also okay. returning franchises. I mean, like, look, Saw 10 mm -hmm. made. The most money and entry in that film has made since I think Saw 5, which was over right. 10 years ago. Like This movie made over $100 million worldwide. It mm -hmm. made over $50 million domestically, which is no small feat for that $13 million budgeted film. But it's also one of those things where I was like, why did mm -hmm. this movie make so much money? And Well, and let's put a pin in that because I think we'll talk more about that film in a little bit. Sure. Um, but even like, I don't know, like you you and I were both kind of out of the loop on Five Nights at Freddy's, but then that's right. one of the most successful, like financially successful horror films of the year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Directed by a woman, based on a video game for tweens, mm -hmm. having barely any scares, and also debuting day and date on Peacock. That film was a marvel in a lot of ways that I'm still trying to wrap my head around. But, you know, we also saw top-tier entry for Scream 6. That movie made mm -hmm. more money than, like, any Scream film has made in a very long time. Very long so, time. yeah, it, it's just been really interesting to see the movies that have succeeded so much theatrically. And then, of course, there's Exorcist Believer. <laughs> well, that that that's the outlier in terms of good franchise entries. Uh, good and financially successful. Although I do think that movie did well financially, but I don't think it made as much as they were wanting it to make. No, there was money left on the table for sure. But like we've also got like really really strong stream like surprise streamers. Mhm. Mm so like no one will save you or sit. Right. Like a, a bunch of these other streamers. Um there's also been a weird mishandling of films this year so again i'm thinking of films like cobweb or dark mm -hmm. harvest which again i'm just like what who's making these decisions <laughs> yeah folks uh those are movies that sat on the shelf for years in some cases and then just get unceremoniously dumped and that's obviously not a new thing it's just that it feels like it wouldn't have typically happened like those movies are actually interesting and or good Whereas normally we see things that are like, oh, the studio has absolutely no faith in this and they just dump it with no fanfare. But I've also seen like a trend. Oh, I, I told this to you like three times this week, Joe, and you're going <laughs> to laugh when I say it again. But this trend of I'm going to call them genre films that primarily operate as dramas, like really compelling dramas for the right. first two acts. And then shift very heavily, um, explicitly into horror genre territory for that last act. And hmm. I feel like that's maybe like a a, a spinoff of the A24 model. My issue with this is a lot of these films, and I'll, I'll give examples, like something like Clock on Hulu or something like From Black, uh, which I think is on Shudder. Yep. 
both boasting very strong performances by their female leads and Diana Agwin and Anna Camp respectively. But the problem is with a lot of these films is like the, the dramatic aspects are so compelling. And then when we start to shift into genre territory, the genre elements are so tropey, formulaic and predictable that mm. it undercuts all the solid work that came before. And it reminds me of that conversation we had a lot um, around like something like Danny Boyle's Sunshine, you know, where it's like, oh, it's a really good film. And then it devolves into a schlocky slasher for the last act. Right. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying these movies are bad because they turn into horror films for the last act. They okay. just turn into bad or mediocre horror films for the last act. Right. So you would be a little bit more generous if the horror was on par with the quality of the drama that came before it. Exactly. Thank you for, uh, for articulating that for me. <laughs> yeah, I think my my response to you when you've mentioned that to me is it feels a little bit evocative of that period maybe a couple of years ago where we had all of those are these women going mad or is there something supernatural happening and you and i both got very very tired of those even when they were well done it's just like i think sometimes when we see a trend it starts to grate on us more because it feels like we're seeing the same batch of films making the same kind of problem and that's why in five years ask me again how i feel about these movies maybe i'll right. like them more because in five years these trends won't be like the the commonplace thing we see in films at the time exactly yeah okay well why don't we shift and talk about our little baby here our our baby bundle of podcast what the fuck am i don't I know saying? what you're saying <laughs> but yes <laughs> our podcast let let's gloat for a little bit yeah so a couple of milestones to celebrate this year so it is our fifth year and one of the big things I wanted us to do this year was to try to get out there in person a little bit more, Trace. Mm -hmm. So, of course, we had only previously met in person once before. And this <laughs> year, we managed to have two live shows. So we did a show in Salem, and we did a show at Fantastic Fest. And it was just kind of lovely to have that live experience. Yeah, um, I, I will confess, I, I am definitely the more nervous one when walking into a live show, because I like the security blanket that is the editing process mm -hmm. but no this is uh, we have to talk about the picture at salem which also though i'm um, y'all film festival aside which by the way go to the film fest it's great always but salem is just so fun <laughs> it's so oh quaint God. and cute and fun <laughs> yeah it was my second time visiting there uh the first that i got to spend some quality time with Kay, and yeah it's just it's such a lovely town like it's filled with so much it's not a town it's a city it's filled with so much personality, great food, and that festival is fantastic because it's small enough that you can still <laughs> meet people and make a good connection with them, and then you can go off and, like, have a great meal or check out a film. I love that you're like, Salem has great food, when, like, I ordered steak tips at 90% of the restaurants we went to. <laughs> well, your palate is ridiculous to me, and I don't want to comment I'm on Y'all, I'm just telling you, I don't know what it is, because I apparently steak tips are a thing in either the New England area or just mm -hmm. Salem specifically because it was on every whether it was every a, menu a, a cheap ass diner or like a really nice fancy restaurant there mm -hmm. were goddamn steak tips in the menu and so of course I was like well I I gotta you see to. I gotta compare them <laughs> how could you not <laughs> If you see it, you've got to order it. It's just how it works. But yeah, then we uh, reunited again just a few months later in September for our Fantastic Fest live show, which was four year, uh, four year reunion, actually, since uh, mm -hmm. being there in, back in 2019. 
Yeah, we had the opportunity to talk about the town that dreaded sundown, as well as the history of queer horror at the festival for the last couple of years. And it was fun to do a kind of listicle approach and just unpack all of the, I guess, the ground that we've made in terms of queer horror. Like even a festival as big as Fantastic Fest, when we started to mine through it, it was like, there were some really, really good years of queer horror. And it's fun because... I feel like not everyone has the opportunity to participate or engage in a festival, but folks, if you do, one of the best reasons to do it is because not only are you going to see some films in advance before everybody else, so you can gloat and you can, you know, uh, give yourself a little pat on the back, but you're also seeing really exciting films that are probably going to change the nature of the conversation it's so funny it's like my 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 sister she watches movies like she'll watch things i send her but she's not like a movie buff like you were mm -hmm. i are and oh so she's just watching movies but she's not engaging with them critically yeah exactly that but but, <laughs> but it's always the thing where I, I would love to take my sister to a film festival a genre film yeah. festival like fantastic fest because the thing with film festivals that what makes it so fun is especially if it's like a one earlier in the year um it's like you don't know anything about these movies other mm. than the one image they have in the program and then like right. the log line or premise um so if you're really like anal about your scheduling and like what you watch and don't watch um that's not going to be the best thing for you because right because part of the fun of a film festival is just rolling the goddamn dice like you will yep. just make your schedule see three films in a day that you have no idea what the fuck they are mm -hmm. and hopefully you walk out you might hate all four of them you might love all four of them or it's a mixed bag of everything right or somebody is like i saw this thing it's playing one more time in this time slot and you've got to clear your schedule. Like at Fantastic Fest this year, we saw a film everyone is going to be talking about in 2024. And it was a literal word of mouth phenomenon where Brad McCarg mentioned something and then somebody else said something. And it was like, wait, people are talking about this movie. I'd never heard of this movie. Folks, it's a movie called The Coffee Table. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Put that in your back pocket because holy Fuck. Oh man, I think my my review for that in Letterboxd was just like something happens in the first twenty minutes of this film that I have never seen put on mm -hmm. film before, and I loved it. <laughs> oh boy, um, yeah, that one, that one's gonna fuck people. <laughs> it will, it will. Um, but anyway, I, mean, never, I think our live show went well. Uh, Y'all can maybe look for our uh, audio recording of that to come out on the feed later this year. Yeah, there we go. There we go. <laughs> So Trace, one other milestone that we hit in year five is we broke a 30-day download number that we had never seen before. So folks, Trace does a really good job of looking at the metrics and keeping track and just seeing how episodes are performing so that we can kind of plan accordingly. And uh, we always knew that Psycho was going to be a big title, but we didn't anticipate that it was going to crack 8,000 downloads in the first 30 days. This this shows <laughs> how off like the mark i am because for me <laughs> if i see a podcast i love covering psycho i'm like eh, i don't give a fuck like I, what, what more do i need to learn about psycho time to listen to shit mm -hmm. and that's that's honestly how i thought people were going to react to our episode and not only did we have a better conversation than i actually expected because i confess i was the kind of the debbie downer being like oh it's psycho like what the fuck can we say about this movie <laughs> Right. We got so much positive feedback from that. And again, as you just said, all those download numbers, I'm flabbergasted, to be honest, Joe. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not always the ones we think are going to do well. And sometimes we hope for a good number and it doesn't always happen. But yeah, it, this was a really genuine surprise and a pleasant one at that. Yeah, um, I think it also goes to show, though, I mean, I'll be the Debbie Downer again, that sometimes <laughs> just having a really I, I think we got a lot of first time listeners for that episode because it was right. just someone talking about psycho and maybe maybe mm-hmm. queers talking about psycho people were like yeah let's go listen to that <laughs> right yeah um <laughs> uh, i will say though one of the episodes we got the most positive feedback on especially in our spotify wrapped was hereditary with girl that's scary mm-hmm. yeah i think that's another one where i anticipated it would do well but i didn't think it was going to like break the margin in terms of which episodes people were most excited for mm-hmm. credit to jazz and cat for doing an absolutely fantastic job guesting on that Ugh. i think it's just it's also a testament to the way that hereditary has dug in since its 2018 premiere like this is a true contemporary classic agreed agreed and i think we're seeing more people come over because I think at the time when it came out, you know, obviously it was critically acclaimed, but you had a lot of audience members that were like, it wasn't that scary. And I think now we're seeing more people like really, really, really get into it and like embrace yeah. what that what that movie's offering. Yeah, yeah. I mean, particularly if you recognize, oh, there's a lot more going on in that movie than I grasped on the first watch. Like it merits repeat viewings. And I think hearing people talk about it and express their feelings that's a great way to get a little bit more mileage out of it. Mm-hmm. But uh, what about another one, Joe? So let's talk about some of these other highly rated episodes, Trace. Uh, we got some really, really good traction on the others. And I can't help but wonder if it's because Nicole Goble, our guest from Bodies of Horror, brought a really great perspective about disability representation Or maybe it's just that it was on people's minds because we've got that Criterion Blue out now, baby. Well, I'm going to say I'm a little surprised at these numbers. Not not because of the quality of the episode, but because, um, as a few people pointed out, that movie was not available to stream anywhere when we Mm -hmm. released the episode. Yep. I want to point out, it was available (laughs) earlier in the year, but I think because of that Criterion announcement, um, it was pulled from everywhere right make them wait make them hungry for but yeah it. no we had really good numbers for that and again like that that was a movie that i hadn't seen since theaters and it was really fun to revisit it but also the the insight from a disability perspective that nicole brought was mm-hmm. just so enlightening for me yeah yeah folks we've been trying to get you to pivot and listen to bodies of horror because you can expect that kind of quality in every episode and it's often very challenging nicole tackles your favorites and forces you to re-examine your relationship to them. Oh, yeah. Um, Joe, do you have a, a hand in the Bodies of Horror pot? <laughs> uh, that is Nicole's baby. I am just the person who helps to program it. But yes, if folks want to listen to like that, or uh, Jen and Gina and I talk about white ladies in crisis and erotic thrillers, like, yeah, I've, I've got a couple of other podcasts. All right, do it. <laughs> we also had pretty strong numbers for episode on insidious chapter two and i mm-hmm. have to believe i mean outside of the fact that yes insidious the red door was coming out it was the right quote-unquote final entry but we had two amazing guests on that episode uh the boulet brothers mm-hmm. i think that was a perfect storm right we timed it just right and then we also had guests where people were like oh yeah i definitely want to hear their take so full disclosure, y'all. So we actually had the Boulet Brothers booked on our Annihilation episode, which, by the way, mm-hmm. also really good. Yeah. 
But they had to back out last minute because, um, I mean, they're, they're busy. <laughs> they're they're Boulay brothers. Um, so we were so happy to lock them in for Insidious Chapter 2. And, uh, you know, as much as I love when we get academic, Joe, I just mm-hmm. kind of love slash maybe prefer the sit down, chill, hang, and, like, just dish shit out conversations. And I feel like right. that's what this episode was. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good marriage of the two because we had previously written about Insidious Chapter 2. It was one of our first editorials on mm-hmm. Bloody. So we knew going into that film that it was going to be a little bit of a, a dodgy, tricky situation because of the subject matter. But I think that episode is also just a lot of fun. Yeah, very, very much. Again, we're just shooting the shit, right? Hmm. Yeah. Similar trace to our 250th episode, which was another milestone from earlier this year. And of course, we knew we wanted to pick a big title. It was Halloween season. And honestly, Sleepy Hollow is just the perfect film that we could have chosen. Oh, you might shit on maybe this. And it, I, I had so much fun talking about that movie with you. But it mm-hmm. was one of those episodes where I was like, I mean, it wasn't... I didn't think it was a particularly insightful episode. <laughs> no, no. I don't think we brought, like, a ton of new things to Sleepy Hollow. <laughs> no, but, but we had fun talking about it and watching it and, you know, basking in the glory of Miranda Richardson's spiderweb dress. Oh, my gosh. Ugh. The production design, the costume for that movie. So good. But again, goes to show, um, big titles, big download numbers. Indeed, yes. And I think we could probably make a claim for that one for our final big number entry, which was Friday the 13th, part two. We had Mike Munzer from The Evolution of Horror, but also we timed it because it lined up with a Friday the 13th and another October pick. I mean, you might say if you made a whole podcast built around the Friday the 13th franchise that mm-hmm. it will do good numbers. And um, hmm. I think literally every single one of our Friday episodes has been one of our top downloaded episodes every year. Right. Should we go ask Patrick and Gina over at Kill by Kill? I was going to ask them. We can ask the Halloweenies. <laughs> we can ask Pot and Pendulum. Yeah. Surprisingly enough, popular IP does well. But also, I think it's a topic that people want to hear folks discuss. Yes. So, Trace, we talked about the numbers in terms of what listeners were listening to, but did you have a favorite episode from the year? Oh, um, a favorite? Okay, so I cheated and I picked three. <laughs> <laughs> that is not one, sir. <laughs> I know. No, but, I, but I'll link them instead of like going into like details about each one. So the, the okay. reason I picked three is because I thought about the most fun I had recording episodes. And oh, okay. I will confess that our guests had a lot to do with this. It wasn't just the movie we were discussing. But um, mm-hmm. on top of Hereditary with Girl That's Scary, which is one of my three. Right. I think our episode on Wild Things with the people <laughs> under the scarers was, <sighs> look, I, I don't think I'm as raunchy now as I was four years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I still get people reaching out to me saying, when are you going to talk about cum again? And right. I, I, hear, I feel you. I feel you. I want to talk about cum all the time. <laughs> And I got to do it in that episode where I talked about some embarrassing teenage public masturbation habits. Right. There's something about Bobby and Mike that just brings it out in you. Yeah, they're great. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Bobby and Mike. Uh, But our other one, though, and this is an off-kilter pick, but it's our Shiva Baby episode with our dear friend, Lindsay Travis. I... That episode combined two of my favorite things. It's just a um, really, like, just honest, chill conversation. Mm -hmm. But also... I don't want to say difficult conversations, but very uh, open conversations. So, you know, I, right. 
I didn't grow up Jewish. I am not Jewish. I don't know a lot about Judaism. And Lindsay really brought her A game with her insight. And Mm -hmm. I loved being able to just be comfortable saying, hey, I don't really get this. Can you explain it to me? And then just like shooting the shit once it was explained. Right. And it's also just such a great movie. There was a ton of other things to talk about. So Mm -hmm. I felt like that conversation had a really good flow. 100. And again, I think it might be because you and I talk to Lindsay on a regular basis. So like, we have that added aspect going into it. But mm-hmm. yeah, like it, it, that was one of the most natural conversations I felt we'd had in, uh, since we started this podcast. Hmm, okay, interesting. So you'll be happy to know that I also cheated. I didn't pick a favorite episode. <laughs> <laughs> How can I choose among my 52 babies? <laughs> I got a lot of satisfaction and i think the episodes came out well on our two theme months so oh yeah folks will remember we talked about toxic masculinity in november and i think all of those episodes ended up being really interesting and really provocative sometimes really challenging uh you're gonna hear some things later on in this episode that suggest that we didn't hit the mark in all of those conversations and i think that's okay too yeah And then I also forced you to watch no less than six erotic thrillers this year, Trace. Forced me to watch it. As if you have to like twist my arm to watch an erotic thriller. (laughs) I mean, we've never hit that high a mark in a single year, I think, because usually we're trying to diversify some of the films that we watch. But doing a month of erotic thrillers and varying them and then having great conversations with those. Also tackling, as you said, wild things. And then, of course, we doubled up over on the Patreon so that we could watch... um, The Voyeurs! The Voyeurs, (laughs) yes. Which, uh, honestly, that film is such a fucking messy banger. I love it. Yeah, y'all. If y'all didn't watch The Voyeurs, go watch it. It's on Amazon Prime. And it's it's not going to blow you away, but it's a lot of fun. (laughs) It's a lot of fun. And then we've got a full episode on it over on Patreon. Well, okay, so speaking of Patreon, though, Joe, then did you Mm -hmm. have a favorite Patreon episode this year? So if I was trusting the patrons, I would say it's our episode on Bram Stoker's Dracula, which we got a lot of really good feedback on. People said it's our best audio commentary that we've done to date, which is pretty impressive because we've done 50 of them. So I mean, (laughs) I I don't mean to be like, really, as if it was a bad audio commentary. I was I'm just like... I had so much fun watching that with you. I think we, maybe it's because we went more into the technical aspects than we normally do on a commentary. Yeah, people seem to really respect the fact that we were bringing some of the main feed energy into it with the research. But I also just think it's such a good movie. We had a lot of fun with that commentary. Oh, yeah, that movie. Yeah. And then one other episode that I'll I'll just briefly highlight because I think it's a really interesting conversation is uh, way, way back in February, we tackled M. Night Shyamalan's new film, Knock at the Cabin, mm-hmm. and we had a lot to say about the depiction of queerness in that central couple and how the changes from the book alter the meaning of the film. And I felt like we were at odds with other members of the queer community who thought yeah. that this was good. This was a step in the right direction. And that episode, I think, just really got to the core of why the film didn't work for me 
Yeah, I I mean, speaking of trends this year, former guest Kyle Turner, actually, I saw him post somewhere where it's like, uh, we need to start accepting the fact that just because a movie is queer does not mean it is good. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> and I am in full agreement, y'all. Unfortunately, queer people can make bad movies. Movies with queer plot lines and queer characters can also be bad. And mm-hmm. that is a movie where I was very perplexed by all the praise it was getting because of it. I mean, look, I get it. You know, it's like, oh, it's queer people being quote unquote normal. Mm-hmm. But then I was at odds because I was like, but they're not normal. Like the, the queerness by definition is not normal. <laughs> yeah. I mean, folks, we we got a whole episode on it. So go yeah, and go, listen, go listen to that. Well, my answer for this is a bit different. Um, I went for, again, one where I was like, we don't get to do one of these very often. Uh, and mm-hmm. that is our mini-sode on the 2020 slash 2023 Children of the Corn reboot. Oh, my God. <laughs> I had so much fun trying to figure out every inane, nonsensical decision that movie made with you. Y'all, again, as I said in the episode, it is not a good movie. I don't know how to spend money on it, but oh my god, is it one of the funniest movies you will see this year? And the answer is no, it's just a bad movie. No, it's so (laughs) funny. (laughs) Yeah, so if you want to hear this for like 40 more minutes, go and listen to that one. I, oh my god, like, it's so bad. It's so bad. It's so bad. So bad. (laughs) Like Sally Field and Mrs. Deathfire did the whole time. The whole time. The whole time. (laughs) All right, so uh, before we talk about some episodes that maybe deserve a little more love, do you have a favorite first-time watch from this year, Trace? So you often talk about how we force ourselves to watch movies for the pod, and sometimes they're not always movies we would watch otherwise. So I'm curious if there was one where you were like, oh, I hadn't seen it, and I loved it. So there, I, I this was kind of, well, it wasn't tough because I had very few movies to pick because I had actually seen most of the movies we covered this year um, okay. on the main feed. Honorable mention, Ghost of Stranger by the Lake. Uh, I, yes. First time watching me, really, really liked it. But mm-hmm. the one that really stuck with me the most this year was my first time watch of Elephant. Um, oh. Sand. Wait, did I know that that was your first time watching it? I think you did. I th- y'all let us know. Is it in the episode? Do I say it was my? I, I'm sure I have to. I, it was my first time watching it. <laughs> okay, you know what? It's coming back to me. Maybe through the the fog of that episode. I actually quite like that episode too. Joe, you need to listen more to me. <laughs> <laughs> that's everyone. That's an inside joke because I don't listen to Joe ninety percent of the time. <laughs> so true. So true. No, um, but no, because even though the movies not having conversations, like I, like the characters are not having conversations about school shootings, the mm-hmm. the movie is having those conversations and yeah. that's just something that again as you'll hear me say multiple times in, in in this podcast i really love movies that have those difficult conversations and mm-hmm. gus van sant's elephant is absolutely one of them that movie that movie is a, a whole hard hold. conversation yeah, yeah. oh 100 <laughs> percent. and so it, it's not an enjoyable film but it's a powerful film right but what what about you joe uh, so I did not go for a powerful, well-made film. I went for a delightfully bonkers, frequently stupid, sometimes infuriating film, Trace. Oh. I love Tusk. Ah! <laughs> you have no idea how happy that makes me because I <laughs> thought for certain that you were going to hate that movie. Because, I mean... Everyone listening is probably like, what the fuck? Because mm-hmm. a lot of people don't like Tusk. <laughs> no. And here's the thing. I don't like the Johnny Depp part still. Yeah, that yeah. part has not changed. But just 
what a fucking wackadoodle movie and getting to hear you and Didi just rock out on that movie was so much fun but yeah like just watching that film it was really enjoyable i was so happy to have finally seen it i will say too and like kudos to Didi because it was one of those ones where i was really happy to have someone on my side of the court um we're talking mm-hmm. about because look, we don't like ask guests ahead of time what do you think of this movie so it makes it more fun, but and sometimes we'll have guests that are like, hey, like, I'm happy to come on, but just so you know, I don't like this movie. Mm-hmm. That's fine. It, it's not a requirement for you to like the movie to come on and talk about it. But in that particular case, I was really happy having someone who also loved that movie. Yeah, it was just, it was a good one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that makes me so happy, Joe. <laughs> okay, but, but, but what about, okay, so you, you alluded to this already, but what about episodes that came out this year that you think deserve more love okay so i would be remiss not to mention closet monster i always Mm -hmm. knew it was going to be a hard sell this is a tiny little coming of age canadian film but i think that that is a really really special movie and i think we have a really really good conversation with a very close personal friend of mine we get really personal too like that's very much a queer origin story kind of episode Mm mm-hmm and yeah, I just wish that more people maybe had to given the film a chance. Oh, yeah. And that was always because Jonathan was a, a, again, a personal friend of yours. I mean, obviously, he has like academic credentials and things like that. But yep. he was coming on mainly as like, oh, yeah, this is one of my really good friends, Jonathan. And again, brought his A game to that. And that's mm-hmm. another one where I think I don't feel like we've had a ton of really personal episodes this year. Yeah. But that was one of them. And I, I always love going into those sometimes, sometimes difficult, but often hilarious waters with you. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, mine. Uh, so I'm going purely based on the movie itself. Uh, okay. This is one of our January episodes on Ooh. Todd Haynes's Safe. And oh, yeah. A, we had great guests on that, uh, academic and PhD, uh, Andy Scahill. I uh, brought, again, a lot of good insight to that. But I think because that's a movie where no one really knows what it is. I mean, I, I didn't know what Safe was until I was in film school. Yeah. And I think because of that, a lot of people overlook that episode. And I implore you, if you have not watched Todd Haynes is safe, go Mm -hmm. watch it. It is available in many places to rent. But also, I mean, shit, uh, with May, December coming out, I've already mentioned that once (laughs) this episode. What better way to to bone up on your Todd Haynes filmography? Indeed. And it is a damn good filmography, folks. Uh, Yeah. Hey, it's really fun to hear you say that, though, because like, so do you like his more musical films like, let's say, the Bob Dylan one, I'm Not There or Velvet Goldmine? I like Velvet Goldmine. I don't love it. And I haven't seen I'm Not There because I'm not a huge Dylan fan. Dude, Okay, (laughs) you can cut this if you want. I do not get Bob Dylan. It's not to say he is bad. I whatever people like him. It's just not for us. Not for us. And when I tell you, when I fucking tell you that in one of my film narrative classes, I got the goddamn syllabus in college and what was on it. But, oh, mm-hmm. I got to watch I'm Not There, Todd Haynes's Bob Dylan movie. <laughs> I'm sure there's a bunch of people who have seen it and say, well, it's actually not about Bob Dylan. It's about a I bunch know. of other things. And I'm sure it's just it's not driving me to go and check it out right now. The, look, the, the musical todd haynes is not my cup of tea give me the right. queer shit like give me queer shit give me period shit yes because i'm all over that far from heaven safe <sighs> carol yes. uh yes. i had to watch his karen carpenter barbie doll movie uh oh, superstar that, one's great. Th- th- that, that was great that was that was a film school watch for me too um but yeah uh safe safe todd haynes great fucking movie 
again, kind of off kilter because I wouldn't exactly call it a horror film in mm-hmm. the traditional sense of the term. Yeah. But I would call it a horror film. Sure. I mean, save with Closet Monster. Yep, absolutely. Okay. So, Trace, the time has come for us to unveil the films that we like the most this year. And folks, please note the fact that I said we like the most this year. We're not saying that they're the best movies of the year. We're simply saying these are the ones that we're probably going to either rewatch, talk about again, recommend to other folks, and so on. I will say, Joe, so when we were compiling this list, did you feel a little guilty because a lot of our picks are kind of more mainstream yeah i struggled with this a little bit too i mean i'm not gonna lie we've also covered a lot of these movies so maybe it's just that we've also been thinking about them but you know as we said about trends in horror this year i think the popular films kind of won the game and If there's something that we've missed, folks, where you're screaming at us saying, I can't believe that they haven't checked this out because it's amazing, do let us know. Because when we were putting together the list, I did think, oh, okay, I wonder if we've gone basic. Honestly, though, but that's why I watched like seven or eight movies this week to prepare. Movies that I heard were were pretty good, you know, on the smaller side of things. But Mm -hmm. I have things added to my honorable mentions, but nothing sure. I watched this week cracked my top 10. Okay, okay. So, folks, we've actually got 15. The criteria for this was that both Trace and I had to agree on them. So there's probably a couple that are a little more Trace or a little bit more me. But right. uh, we both had to have seen the film and agree that it should make this top 15. And also, we decided not to rank them because we don't want to go out and say like, oh, this film is the best. We're just going to say these are our top 15 and we're going to go alphabetically. Yes. Uh, so yeah, basically, when looking at a snapshot of 2023 genre films, um, this is what I think we feel represents the year, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what's up first? So we're going to start with Attachment. This is one of many queer horror films that came out earlier this year. This is a Danish-English co-production. We do have a micro-queers episode on it. And this is really good Jewish horror, Trace. I think it's queer and it's Jewish. I'm honestly, like, again, as a born and raised Catholic, but, you know, agnostic now, Mm -hmm. I'm living for this, like, Jewish horror, like, bent on right now. A hundred percent. Yeah, like... I'm not saying I never want to see another Catholic horror film again, because that's just unrealistic. It's going to happen. But I love the fact that we are really starting to see us spread into other kinds of religious horror. And I think Attachment is one of those films where, you know, it's doing things in a sort of novel way, but also it's not so far out there that if you're... You know, if you don't identify as Jewish, it's not like you can't approach this film. Like, it's very accessible. It's got some good horror moments. The two leads have good chemistry, which is always so important in a queer horror film. Mm -hmm. Well, and again, it's a low-budget film. There isn't a ton of effects here, but Mm -hmm. the effects we do get are done very well. Like, this doesn't look like a cheap movie. No, no, yeah. So, uh, Attachment, I believe it's on Shudder. I think you're right. Um, Next up, in alphabetical order, we are going to talk about Tim's Stories The Blackening, which, Joe, you had been teasing me for months because you saw it at TIFF last year. (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this one has been on my radar. I was actually really concerned that it wasn't going to live up to the hype I'd been doing for, you know, six months at this point. And I was really happy that I think this is my favorite horror comedy of the year. And, uh, well, it is mine. And, you know, now we know we're getting a sequel. Um, I will mm-hmm. say, this is one of those three and a half star movies for me. Mm-hmm. I think it's really funny. It doesn't, like, break any new ground, per se, right. for me. Like, I think we've seen a lot of these parody tropes before. Mm-hmm. But it was refreshing to see it from this angle. Um, and again, there are so many laugh out loud parts in this movie. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. Like, narratively, this isn't breaking a ton of new ground. Mm-hmm. But for me, it's all about this ensemble. And I'm so excited that we're not doing an anthology style sequel like we're going to get to see these characters come back together and i'm really psyched for that because the chemistry is just off the chart with these actors yes they're having so much fun so much fun i I will be there opening weekend for the sequel i'm so excited for it absolutely and folks we do have a full-length patreon episode on that one if you want to go check it out okay so what's next well, uh, Joe, this is your turn to speak, but the, uh, we have a one-two punch of horribly mishandled releases next up. <laughs> yeah, so I feel like we might be outliers on this one for selecting Cobweb, the Samuel Bowden, long-on-the-shelf, Lizzie Kaplan, Anthony Starr film, but this one really tickled our fancy It's got all of the elements that I think people are going to gravitate to for their annual Halloween watch. Like, just so much visual style. It's got a bunch of what the fuckery. A lot of people wanted to compare this to Barbarian, and sure, but this is a weird little magical film that is probably going to get rediscovered in the coming years. Yeah, I've already seen this trend a little bit this year because, again, like once it hit streaming, it was like, where did this movie come from? Right. Um, fun fact, I did talk to some people who were theater bookers, and they were talking to people um, over at Lionsgate who were handling Cobweb's distribution, and they really wanted that July 21st release date. Mm-hmm. And these theater bookers were like, well, that's going to be Barbie and Oppenheimer. And apparently that Lionsgate rep was like, well, that's really going to be that big of a deal. Um, Please put it on July 21st. Um, (laughs) I hope that person was fired because (laughs) no one saw Cobweb because it came out the same day that Barbenheimer came out. (laughs) Right. Yeah. You got to be able to read the room or read the trends at least. But it's disappointing because this is just a quiet little interesting weird honestly mean film and it deserved better than what it got yeah and honestly um i was gonna say star making term from lizzie kaplan but that's not what it is she's already a star lizzie <laughs> kaplan delivers a fantastic performance to the point where this 88 minute movie i was like oh i want 20 more minutes of just lizzie kaplan honestly her performance is great so good <laughs> uh and folks if you want to hear us gush again we have a patreon episode about that trace we do not have a patreon episode about the next one though oh and i we almost did we almost almost did did, but we just we couldn't squeeze it in um everyone this is david slade's dark harvest an adaptation of a is it a ya novel would you call it a ya novel Yes, it often gets classified as YA, and just because it's dark and mature in its themes doesn't disregard that classification. Sure, absolutely. But, um, and y'all, I, I will repeatedly say I was wrong, I was wrong, mm-hmm. I was wrong about this movie because the, 
<laughs> this was shelved for two years, and yep. the trailer looked like absolute ass. Not great. Hmm. And so my expectations admittedly were rock bottom for this, and then Joe told me it was good, so I was like, you know, okay, fine. I trust Joe. Sometimes I'll give it Sometimes. a watch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I... Again, it's a three and a half movie for me, but I really liked this. Like, I thought uh-huh. there's gore in this. It's shot so well. Um, I do think it could have benefited from a longer runtime because yes. it exists in, like, this hunger. It's not a dystopian world, but it's, like, in the past, in the 60s or 50s, and I- whatever, y'all. There's really good gore in this movie. It's awesome. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, definitely look for this one in the Hereditaries if you're voting because the creature design on Sawtooth Jack is fantastic. It's one of the best creature designs of the year. And I really do like a lot of a lot of the characters, the main characters. I think where this falls short is that there's a lot of those um a lot of the kids that mm-hmm. just show up and die. Yeah. I feel like if this were, you know, given the Hunger Games treatment, we'd have a two and a half hour version of this movie right. that fleshes out all these characters. <laughs> but we mm-hmm. don't, so it's fine. Yeah, it's just a victim of, I think, being trimmed down to try to get that runtime into a quote unquote more manageable. But it's yeah, you can feel that the story and the scope even that David Slade is working with, like the production design on this is so good. I love the lighting in the movie, but Mm. you can feel it pushing up against the constraints of the runtime yeah absolutely so again it's one of those things where like we won't get a sequel i don't think no but i i would take a sequel to this or i would take Mm -hmm. a version that's 30 minutes longer absolutely yeah so folks if you slept on this because you saw oh it's been delayed forever and now they're just dumping it it is worth your time yeah agreed but what's up next joe so the next one is my new favorite horror franchise Folks, we're talking about the fourth entry in the Hell House LLC franchise. So this one is, I'm going to say it this time, Trace. Yeah. It's Hell House LLC Origins, the Carmichael Manor. Yep, longest title. Well, not not the longest title in the world, but it, but it's it's in the running. It's in the running. And if you look at that title and you scoff, know that the film is a little ridiculous, but mm. arguably the best return to form for a fourth film in a franchise in a good long time. Yeah, and like, if y'all are fans of this franchise, you know the third one is a piece of shit. This is a huge <laughs> step up from that third movie. Um, Indeed. And look, as a movie, it's good. It's a mm-hmm. good movie, but as a scare factory, right? it is amazing. Yeah. And we do have a full-length episode on this, as well as our thoughts on those first three films. So if you're diving into the Hell House LLC universe, uh, we got you covered. Oh my god, Joe. So when the fifth one comes out, are you going to marathon the first four again? Oh boy. Um, maybe. <laughs> you know what? I might skip two and three. I know you like two, I know, but I, um, I feel like one and four are hitting the sweet spot for me. I mean, look, I... I do like two. I have a soft spot for two. Three is the only one I outright don't like. But yeah, I I would agree. One and four like are the peaks of this franchise. Mm-hmm. I want to see this continued upward trajectory. Uh, well, if we get that carnival in the next movie, we'll see. There we go. Yeah. Uh, next up again, I think maybe a little under the radar, but I haven't mm-hmm. seen more people talk about this. And this is Lacera, the Bone Woman, which is a queer Mexican Peruvian film. Mm-hmm. That. Uh, God, I honestly, the imagery in this film just really sticks with me. 
the imagery and the foley of all those cracking bones. So, oh yeah, there's so many bones in this movie. Um, but again, I think out of all like the 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 lower profile movies on the list for us this year, mm-hmm. this one I've been seeing get talked about the most in these like in the lead up to these top ten lists. Mm-hmm. Which is really exciting for me because, you know, as you said, this is queer, this is foreign, this is a first time feature director, it's a woman, and the themes to me are just really fascinating. You know, it's a queer woman who decides that she needs to quote unquote settle down with a man and have a baby, even though she's actually in love with another woman. Like, just really timely, important topics, but then also really fucking good body horror and some really unsettling kind of surreal imagery in this one yeah yeah definitely worth a watch um and honestly i'm co-writer and director michelle garza severa um i got my eye on you oh 100 percent. like i need her next film now yeah yeah i mean if she can do this with whatever budget she had like what i'm assuming is a oh, uh, small budget i can't wait to see what she does next mm-hmm mm-hmm So the next one is also a small budget film, but it is another Canadian one. And we know that Brandon Cronenberg can work magic with probably okay numbers. So we are talking about Infinity Pool, as well as Mia Goss. You know, what is she doing this every year now? It's just like a great (laughs) horror performance. James! James! <laughs> I, I, I do you worry that she's gonna get the um Anne Hathaway or Jennifer Lawrence treatment where like in a year everyone's gonna be so sick and tired of Mia Goth and then in like five years we'll be like why did everyone hate Mia Goth for so long I don't know she she doesn't seem like a really big public figure so I think yeah. that could help her she just keeps churning out these oddball quirky performances though and I love her for it yeah, she she is definitely one of the best parts of, well, not just any movie she's in, but especially uh, this pick. Mm-hmm. I feel a little bit of a loss because I haven't seen this since January, like way back it's when, been when a I long saw time. it. Yeah. <laughs> but I remember really liking it. And I did mm-hmm. sit, I sat two rows in front of Alexander Skarsgård and his date, Jack McBrayer. <laughs> oh, did you touch him? Did you try to touch his hair? I did not touch uh. him and I did not try to touch him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like with his consent and everything, but also touches her. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, how how would that go? Um, excuse me, Mr. Skarsgård. Um, I'm so sorry. Could you please give me consent to touch you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I just can I shake your hand and graze your hair? So wild. I don't know if the hair is a thing you go for. <laughs> it is. It's a thing. I don't know. Call it a kink. Let's move on. <laughs> All right. Next up for us, I, I kind of one that flew under the radar. I wasn't expecting much from this, but it is Curtis David Harder's Influencer, which, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, again, I, I said flew under the radar. That is very factual. Um, It seems like this came out and the twists and turns in this movie got word of mouth a poppin'. Yeah, yeah. It was very popular when it came out, and it kind of dominated for about a week, and then everybody moved on to something new. So it's hard when a movie comes out earlier in the year, right? But yeah, this is another Canadian film. This is by the same uh, writer, director who did Spiral. Not the Book of Saw, but the queer one. Oh! Oh! Yeah. I genuinely didn't know that. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, 
you know, this follows this trend that we've been seeing a lot over the last couple of years where it's like, how do we use social media to make a horror film and so on? But I think this antagonist performance by Cassandra Node is honestly star making. Yeah, she's really, really good. And, you know, we got to see her again this year in It's a Wonderful Knife, and she has mm-hmm. a bit part in that. Yeah, not big enough. <laughs> not, not big enough. Uh, but th- she really gets to showcase her talents in this. I think, you know, in this age of influencer social media horror, I think this is a really solid pick. I admittedly think I saw this maybe a bit too late, so I wasn't, like, in love with this movie. Right. But I actually thought it was directed really well. So that, yeah. that you said it's from the same guy that did Spiral, I was like, oh. That makes Mm -hmm. sense. Yeah, it makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so next one is... I'm sure we're going to hear something about how this production came to be because it felt like we were teased with it for about a year. No trailer, one fucking promotional image, and then it just drops on us in September on Hulu. We're talking about the alien invasion film, No One Will Save You. Oh, man. Caitlin Dever, my heart, you have it. Uh, (laughs) Oh, and this is one we actually watch together. We never Mm -hmm. get to watch movies together. (laughs) No, and like in person together yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> in person because yeah everyone yeah again we never get to watch movies in person we've done some zoom watches like with the mm-hmm. hellas llc franchise but we get to watch this came out when we were at fantastic fest <laughs> yeah a bit of a surprise honestly this movie is just such a thrill ride it's yeah. really really fun well again it, it, it is a gimmick you know this is a mostly dialogue free i think there's maybe three mm-hmm. lines of dialogue in it so caitlin dever has to do all the acting i mean she she quite literally carries the film on her back but it's also just a fun uh, i was gonna say it's a unique alien invasion film but i I was gonna backpedal but i think that's true it's a very unique alien invasion film especially when you take the ending into account which i will not spoil here yes uh folks if you want to hear us talk about it we do have a patreon mini-sode on the film but yeah this is just one of those ones where It was a really, really good time. You know, we hoped it was going to be good because, of course, the people involved in it have done a lot of good stuff. But at the end of the day, it was it was just gratifying to watch it and be like, (laughs) oh, thank God, it is actually really good. Okay, awesome. (laughs) Yes. Okay, so the next one should come as no surprise to anyone who's been following you for like the last two years, Trace. But uh, of course, Robbie Banfitch's The Outwaters is on our list. Y'all, you love this movie. I love this movie. Full stop, five stars. This is the only five star film, uh, horror film I've given this year. My other one is actually May, December. Okay. But uh, yeah, no, I, 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 I get why anyone would know it. this is not thing, something i would show to my parents like, i would never be like mom dad let's watch the outwaters it's really easy to watch mm-hmm. but this movie affected me in a way that very few movies could and i just i i loved it i loved this movie so fucking much it's so exciting to hear you gush about it because sometimes i think you try to reserve your enthusiasm particularly for off-kilter or polarizing picks and the reality is this this is a divisive film not everybody likes this movie people don't all get it but i think the people who do get it like really really love it yeah and um i i will confess living in colorado now i do smoke a lot more weed than i used to when i live in texas <laughs> okay <laughs> i have well no because because what i've learned is that when i smoke weed and i watch a horror movie um i, I do find myself more deeply affected by the violence and like the, ah, the, the, okay. the depression of it 
so one of the seven times I've watched this movie, because uh, I have watched it like seven times, mm-hmm. uh, I was very high. And huh. it scared the shit out of me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could, like, literally, I was like, I want to check the uh, the timestamp on this. And I went to, I, I, I was too scared to reach for the remote to check the timestamp. Oh. <laughs> But nevertheless, <laughs> that's building it up too much. Again, some people will find this movie painfully boring. Others will find it deeply affecting and terrifying. And I'm I, I'm part of the latter camp. There we go. Yeah. And if you want to hear us break it down, sort of key scene by key scene, we have a Patreon episode on it. We sure do. Well, we also have a Patreon episode. It's our next entry, Joe, which is, I think, maybe one of our more quote-unquote basic picks. <laughs> yes. Where would we be without an entry from the Saw franchise? But, but... here's the reality. <laughs> this film is legitimately good. And, like, we like Saw movies, so we're not saying this facetiously. But there's been some stinkers recently, and this feels like they finally got to where the franchise needs to be. It makes me sad because Tobin Bell is in his 80s and I'm like, oh my God, like when he dies, like what are we going to do with this franchise? Because we went through what, 10, 15 years of like, wow, we have this Jigsaw less Saw franchise, all these sequels. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, 20 years after the first film came out, they realized, oh, wait, people actually really like Tobin Bell as Jigsaw. We should give him things to do. This is hands down one of the best entries in this franchise. Oh, yeah. Like, if you are an anti-torture porn person and you're like, eh, like, whatever, it's just Saw. Mm-hmm. This, out of any, like, quality aside, any of the other nine movies in this franchise, I don't think would be very good at converting noobs no. or, like, the skeptical. Mm-mm. This is the one. Absolutely. I would show this to someone who is a Saw skeptic as my first choice because i think this one is mm-hmm. a good, does a good job of giving fans what they want while also making it palatable enough for newcomers yeah i agree i agree and it's just nice to see bell and shawnee smith finally get some recognition for their contributions to the franchise by saying yeah okay this is your movie now and the fans have responded so i really hope that these creatives are learning the right lessons as we move forward because as you said uh earlier in the episode this movie made bank so we are going to be getting a saw 11 joe i mean like i i can't believe the money it's exciting it wasn't a billion dollar movie obviously but for a saw movie like the 10th entry in a horror franchise where the mm-hmm. last two have really not done that well, especially domestically. And still going theatrical. Yes, yes. But it's weird that this is the only Saw film to get overwhelmingly positive reviews. It's got a fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Like people actually seem to care about yes. this movie, which is not something I could have said about the last three, maybe even four entries in this franchise. 100%. Yep. Yep. So... Um, next up, another quote-unquote basic entry, but one I will stand by wholeheartedly, um, a little film called Scream 6. There we go. I mean, we were always destined to be maybe more generous, but we were probably going to like a Scream film because we love this franchise, but also Scream 6 hits the sweet spot because we've introduced our core four and now we actually get to spend some time with them. Yeah, the new characters are a little bit filler. Yeah, the Mm. killer reveal is maybe a little underwhelming depending on how much you like what Dermot Mulroney is doing. But like Scream 6, by moving to this new location, by willingly playing with what we're doing in that opening kill, like there's just a bit of a renewed energy in this film. 
Yeah, no, I agree. And, you know, it's it's bittersweet given the recent turn of events with this franchise. And I won't go into too much detail, but all I will say is that the Scream 7 that I think we were all hoping for is not Mm -hmm. going to happen. So I am intrigued, if not entirely optimistic about the future of this franchise. But the good news is, if that's the case, if the next one sucks or doesn't happen, I think we have a really good six film franchise here. There we go. Yeah, yeah, that's a nice silver lining. And yeah. folks, of course, uh, because it's a Scream film, we've got a full episode on it. Like, do you want to hear us talk about it for two and a half hours? Head on over to Patreon. Yep. Okay. So, Joe, next up is one of your favorites. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have a relationship with the end of this film, but... I really ended up loving Sick. So this is the new film by Kevin Williamson, obviously a COVID film back when we were still doing that, pretending like the pandemic was a thing and not lying to ourselves about how it's over. But um, (laughs) even if you're like me and you have a little bit of difficulty with the end of this film and the motivation for what's going on, this is probably the most high octane thriller horror film of the year it's like this and no one will save you got my adrenaline pumping brevity is the soul of wit and entertainment um yes this ah it just like it it flies by and it's Mm -hmm. so intense it's like home invasion mixed with a slasher film it just it all works Uh uh-huh i mean if you hire john himes it's because you want action propulsion you want this thing to fucking move and he does it so well in this movie oh absolutely like it's uh yes because he's the guy that did that alone movie last year right he is yeah uh yes this man can do tension like no other like i cannot wait to see what he does next but yeah sick i'm curious though do you think that you will maybe warm to the end i I probably asked this in the episode actually but do you think you Mm -hmm. will warm to this ending Once we are further distanced from this time period? It's entirely possible. Yeah, like I had a really negative reaction because I was in a crowded theater as the only person wearing a mask when I saw this. And I was just like, you are not speaking to me right now. The irony. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I I do think it's entirely possible. Like when we're a little bit more removed from COVID, if we ever are removed from COVID, uh, I will probably soften on this for sure. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Well, um, okay, the next mm-hmm. one on our list, we're almost done, y'all, this is the penultimate entry. I I did not think I was going to like this. I no. thought this trailer looked like garbage. Absolute garbage, it, yeah. It wasn't funny. Um, Totally killer, y'all. Nanach mm-hmm. Khan's comedy horror slasher film, time travel movie. This was a pleasant surprise for me. Like, uh, I just had so much fun with it. It's so cute and silly. We've got a performance from Kiernan Shipka that we really didn't think she was going to be able to deliver on. And she's fantastic. Really good chemistry with this cast. We're doing 80s, but it's not so overbearing that we hate it. And yeah, like the jokes land. The action is surprisingly good. Yeah, it's not the goriest film you'll ever see, but it doesn't skim on the gore. Mm hmm. Yeah, just kind of one of those little pleasant surprises that we did not think we were going to like. And then we ended up really enjoying it. Yeah, it's just, yeah, just, uh, it's a good movie to show your family. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, I will say, 
a bad film to show your family <laughs> is our last entry on this list, Trace. Yeah, you know what? I will let you know. I well, I was gonna say I might show my parents this, but I think the inclusion of subtitles will immediately exclude my dad. <laughs> yeah, you don't think they're going to enjoy the feel bad horror film of twenty twenty three? If it was in English, they probably well, my dad would. But like there we go. <laughs> the number of times I've tried to, tried to show my dad a subtitle movie, we're going to be like. Is this whole thing going to be subtitled? Oh, Dad, no. <laughs> Come on, Dad. I get it. He's in his 60s. He's in the time of that shit. <laughs> Reading. So tiring for a 60-year-old. <laughs> it's okay. That's why I have my mom. She, she, she's the reader. There we go. <laughs> but yes, uh, what is it, Joe? Oh, boy. Yeah, so this is a fresh take on a possession film. It's a little bit of religious horror, but oh, boy, do we have chef's kiss, violence against children, ooey gooey body horror, and just, I don't know, it it feels very fresh and also so fucking dour. Like, if you are looking for a movie that's going to make you feel bad, welcome back to When Evil Lurk. Yeah, and I will say, like, if you were not a fan of Damien Rugna's Terrified, I think you might like this one more. Yeah, that's me. Well, I I, I will confess, I do prefer Terrified just because it's going back into it's that. Like, it's well, yeah, it's a lesser movie, but it's a better scare factory. That's what that movie is to me. Okay. Um, but that being said, though, I really love When Evil Lurks. It's just mm-hmm. a downer of a film, not afraid to cross some taboos. Oh boy. And I think it's directed really well. Like, that's the thing uh, where, like, I, I, I vocalize this in our Patreon episode on the film, but, like, I love this man as a director. I think he mm-hmm. has some improving to do when it comes to screenwriting. But yeah. but I wouldn't call it either this or Terrified screenplay bad. They're just, no. there's some issues. It's more that the visuals are the key selling feature. The yeah. narrative is okay. A hundred percent. And I, I, I do think that Winnie Lurks is better narratively than Terrified. Yeah. But at the same time, fuck, man, y'all, this is... (laughs) Have fun! (laughs) I mean, if he keeps giving us imagery like this, like, this movie probably has a higher pause the movie, print it out, frame it, put it on the wall, hit-miss ratio compared to every other horror film. It's like, this and Dark Harvest, I think, are the most gorgeously disgusting and haunting films for me. Okay, we haven't prepped for this, so mm-hmm. I, you're forgiven if you can't think of an answer. But what, in your opinion, are the meanest horror films to come out this year? Ooh. Because I, um, I think When Evil Lurks would qualify. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And in, in fact, I do think that would probably be my number one pick. Yeah, I think Outwaters is on there for me. Although, actually, Dark Harvest is pretty mean, too. <laughs> pretty mean. We are comfortable killing a lot of people for no good reason in that film. Killing lots of kids this year. Be it teenagers, preteens, yep. or children. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Cowboy has child death. When Evil Lurks has child death. Uh mm-hmm. Dark Harvest has plenty of preteen and teenage deaths. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse, carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see, we could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. 
so yeah, those are our top 15 of the year that we have compromised on. But I think there are maybe a few that maybe that we didn't agree on or that, that not both of us saw. That more so. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, Joe, do you have a, an honorable mention for this year? So I think we each have three and we're going to do these a little bit more rapid fire. But sure. um, yeah, two of them we have actually covered on the Patreon. They were a bit surprises to us, right? Where we didn't know what we were going to get and we saw them. We quite liked them. They just didn't quite crack the top 15. So yeah. there's something wrong with the children, which is a Ugh. really fun, weird body possession monster invasion kind of thing. Also kids dying. Also kids dying. <laughs> Uh, as well as it lives inside which is again it's not explicitly religious horror but it has a foot in it and that's a south asian film where we're introducing some really good creature design and uh probably one of my favorite deaths of the year oh yes 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 and uh it's just uh, I, I almost brought it up earlier when you were talking about religious horror and i was like ah, but i don't yeah as again mm-hmm. i don't know if it's like fully fully religious yeah yeah. But um yeah, a lot of good stuff and it lives inside. Yeah. So I've got one extra one and this is one that very few people will know or have on their radar because of course Netflix acquired it, dropped it with zero fanfare Ugh. and did so in the last month of the year. So I'm talking about Saudi Arabian feminist thriller Naga. And this is a woman who she's from a very conservative household and she decides to go with her boyfriend uh, to a party in the desert and she has to be home by curfew or else her father will quite literally kill her. I'm not misusing literally here like because of the culture and it's one of those everything that can go wrong to delay her goes wrong. (gasps) It's basically run Lola run. Ooh with a rabid camel attack as the film's centerpiece. Ooh. I've never heard of this, and I want to watch it immediately. Yeah. I saw it at a TIFF. Uh, I didn't realize it had been picked up for distribution, and now I'm trying to get everyone to watch it. So, oh, yes. Yeah. Naga. It's on Netflix right now. Oh, it li- sorry. Y'all, we are recording this. I'm going to date it. We're recording this on December 7th. It came out on Netflix Today. on December 7th. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, I'll rapid fire my... Well, we'll see. Um, My honorable mention, I have three, again. uh, Godzilla minus one. I feel like we would be remiss if we didn't mention this because it's been such kind of like a box office and critical juggernaut for this, like, December. It's so exciting. Yes, and and you haven't seen this, which is why we didn't, like, fully have it. Um, Y'all, I really like this movie. I am not a Godzilla nut. I don't know a lot about this franchise. I've seen three of the entries in it, one of which is the Roland Emmerich American one, which doesn't count, I know. I know, but I have seen the original (laughs) film. I really like this. It is a four out of five for me. Not quite. I'm not quite as high on it as everyone else is, but it's real good. Mm-hmm. Great monster stuff. Great human drama. Um, mm. uh, it's well worth If you've never seen a Godzilla film, doesn't matter. This is standalone. Oh, there you go. Next up, I've got Joe Lynch's Suitable Flesh. This is a, a Lovecraft adaptation. And Ooh admittedly i watched this yesterday because i kept hearing about it in the festival circuit i never got to watch at the festivals i really liked this if anything if anything it is a testament to how we as a society have undervalued heather graham and her oh. talents as an actress okay there is a trans component to this film you have yeah. body swapping heather graham is having a blast in this <laughs> uh in this main role like I thought this was so much fun. I, I really liked this. Uh, 
I will get shit for saying this. It is one of the only modern films starring Barbara Crampton that I think is actually good. And I... Oh, wow. I say this because one of my, some of my friends and I have a running gag where we're like, oh yeah, Barbara Crampton, who we all like, who is really good, mm-hmm. is in a bunch of shitty movies. And yeah. this is not one of them. This is a good one. Okay. okay. <laughs> and uh, my last pick will, of course, be Laura Moss's Birth Rebirth, which, Joe, I think mm-hmm. both you and I are in on the record as loving. Yeah, absolutely love it. This is a first-time director. They're very exciting. Features two absolutely standout performances by Marin Ireland as well as Judy Reyes just you know it's a simple Frankenstein story but it is doing oh so much and these actors are oh, they're fucking a game level here for this movie it's so good there's so much dark comedy in this it's like a it's like Frankenstein pet cemetery and mm-hmm. Laura Moss, as a as a first time director, like feature director, is doing a really good job here. But with these two actresses, I mean mm-hmm. Reyes and I, I think we are in the year of Marin Ireland. I think people are really finally starting to understand her after Eileen and mm-hmm. this and the Boogeyman. She has a re- yes, yes. Thank you, Joe. The Boogeyman. Uh, she has a really good um, glorified cameo in the Boogeyman, which honestly you could say that about her performance in Eileen as well. But right. um. Tabitha, what do we think of Marin Ireland? <laughs> you know what's funny though? It is Marin Ireland because her Twitter says it's Marin like chagrin. I love it. You know what? She's probably heard it so many fucking times. Probably so. Although I will say, um, I never saw The Empty Man and she was one of the main characters in that. So I, I feel oh. like now I need to go see it. Now you're going to have a bunch of people saying you should watch it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, my husband has been telling me for months. So well, there we go. Uh, oh, she's also the lead in The Dark and the Wicked. Yes, we say this every time we talk about it. Every her, time, like, oh, I forgot she was in that. I always forget she was. I need to rewatch that movie. Actually, that was a good one. I just like I need to rewatch it. Oh, how about this? We'll watch that and When Evil Lurks, and then we'll feel real, real bad about ourselves. I love feeling bad about myself. Yes, done. all right everyone well that has been our like top 15 or like best movies honorable mentions of the year please send in like what what did we miss what have you loved that we didn't see or we didn't talk about admittedly there were a lot of horror movies that came out this year just a few so be gentle Mm -hmm. yeah but joe to wrap us up i think we should maybe get some levity in here yeah, you know, folks, we love to close out the year with a whole bunch of bloopers. So, uh, Trace, what are some of these categories that we just continue to fuck up? Well, so, y'all, we are such good editors that you may not know that we edit our episodes. Ha 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 ha. That's a lie. But uh, we often mispronunciate things a lot and we hide them when we edit, but we won't hide them here. So here are some examples of times that both Joe and I have mispronounced uh, words, names. You have it. This this story is familiar with a twist. <laughs> that was what got her all of her like accolades first. And so then she did Alice in Wonderland. Accolades? Accolades, right? Accolades. That's what got her all of her accolades originally. But apparently people don't understand how Weiss managed to sneak that footage in without drawing the censor's R. But going through this uh, for the recording and seeing like trans readings of it, seeing feminist readings of it, I think it did enrich my my rewatch as well. I think so as too. I think so as too. I think so too. Okay, so the next day, Laura arrives for horror... 
where Javier, where Javier Botep, where Javier, <laughs> and I like the idea that this closeted queer, closeted queer actor, um, <laughs> we want to talk about immortality. So we're really bringing dr sarah's research in on what we're seeing of like news clips and her in the lab with john's degradation with john's degradation nope with john's you know what degradation degradation no nope. De- oh my god <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those brain things right no i get it it's 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 a lot of letters for a person right yeah <laughs> if anyone's mm. watching The Last of Us, it's basically Among Us or a Fold. That t- a f- Among Us or a Fold. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have the sound of a heartbeat, and it transitions into Edith Cushing, who is played by Mia Vasakasa. Nope, I knew I was going to fuck it up. <laughs> so we move into Therapy. And then Tony, who is played by Norbert Leo Butts. And wait, 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 I'm sorry. Uh, Norbert. <laughs> what did I say? Norbert. Norbert, okay. <laughs> so Ichabod makes it into town as night is falling, and he watches the night watchman, Jonathan Masbath, who is played Jonathan Masbath as... <clears throat> <clears throat> So Ichabod makes it into town as night is falling, and he spots the night watchman, Jonathan Masbeth. Nope. Masbeth. 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 And he sees the night watchman, Jonathan Masbeth. Yeah. But but I feel like that's always been Nicole Kidman's raison d'etre, right? Like, did I say that right? No, it's no. raison d'etre. <laughs> uh, that's always been Nicole Kidman. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't get a second try. You have to keep it in. <laughs> no, it'll be a blooper. That's always been Nicole Kidman's raison d'etre. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. oh boy never gonna live some of those down nope so one of the fun things that i have discovered about myself is that since the pandemic my short-term memory is Wait, what was I talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have a tendency to forget things. And oh, boy, does it come out when we do some of these recordings. Yep, it sure does. I I don't remember. But but like she gets him out there and he falls into one of her pits, um, which, by mm-hmm. the way, she's a fast digger. <laughs> no, she she had the keys to the tractor. Oh, right. Oh, my God. Y'all, we did watch this movie. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do you want to take it again? We don't have to sound like idiots. Yeah, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to the point where every time, uh, what's her face? <laughs> Shit, I've Quinn? really forgotten the character's name. Quinn? No, the um, the villain. Oh, the man with no mask? No, 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 the... the man who can't breathe sorry no the the one from the first two films oh the bride in black there we go yeah okay that is fascinating yeah because he was just coming off the heels of dunkirk the christopher nolan film oh yeah i definitely didn't watch that yeah it's not my favorite (laughs) i'm sure it's great i know it's like the single take thing but war movies like you have to like drag me tooth and nail to go to a war movie i'm gonna correct you that's 1917 wait what is dunkirk Dunkirk is the one. Oh, the no, oh, you're right. You're right. 1917 is a single shot, shot movie. Um, okay. Yes, we did an audio commentary for Patreon on House of a Thousand Corpses. So this is uh, technically our fourth Rob Zombie joint. No, Jesus, oh, we I are really can't count. <laughs> so this is our. Let me try that again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so this is our fifth Rob Zombie joint. 
quality aside, any of the other 12, 12 movies? No. Sweetie, it's Saw X. It's Saw X, yeah. His head is clearly stuck on the wheel of the car. Well, like the... What am the I steering wheel? Thank you. <laughs> he has unfortunately died as a result of his injuries because they've been in a car accident. A really bad one. Um, and she was driving, too. Are you sure she was driving? Mm -hmm. that, that was why I paused. Yeah, no, she was driving. Okay. <clears throat> uh, yeah. And oh, wait, fuck. No, you're right. Sorry, I, I was thinking. You didn't of listen to me the first time I said it. No, I, I no, because I, I was thinking of the driver's side for America. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> She's on the American driver's side. He's there on the French driver's side. So never mind. Ignore it. Yeah. Now it's just a giant fucking blooper. So we open at Lambert House in 1967 as we see a young Elise who is in fact girl, voice girl, 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 girl. 67. It's 86. Wow. I love it when the notepad literally fucks up my numbers on me. I was like, wow. I thought that it looked good, but... Elise is just, like, aging beautifully. Let's try that again. And I'm Trace, and welcome, everyone. We are celebrating the 25th anniversary of Lynn Weissman's 2003 classic Underworld. Wait, 25th? Isn't it 20th? Okay. <laughs> Wait. Oh my god, I think I typed 25th in my... Uh... Oh no, I did say 20th. Never mind. Okay. <clears throat> and I'm... Tra <clears throat> well, I felt like it was a fact-finding mission. Like, maybe not mm. in these scenes, but when he's upstairs with Kim and... Bob. Why can I not remember any of these kids' names today? Bob. Bob, thank you. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, I actually think... As, as much as... Oh, God damn it, I keep forgetting her name. The actress uh, who plays Anna. Okay, got it. <clears throat> yeah, well, that's the thing, right? Because after after Scream 1, that's then when we get in... Um, Oh, my God, what's the guy's name? Uh, the one He edits all those movies. Fuck. Patrick uh, Lussier? He, yes, that's when Patrick Lussier comes in. I'm really curious about this because I really like the movie Dear White People, which is his directorial mm -hmm. debut. I didn't realize he's also queer. Yes, very queer. And he's directing July's Disney film Haunted Mansion. He is indeed. Yeah. So this is his feature directorial debut. Oh, it's not. No, Dear it's White not, People. <laughs> Dear White People is his debut. That again. <laughs> and I can go back and look at that American remake, which... Outside of the ending is a serviceable copycat of this yeah. film. I, I, look, I think Rachel Nichols and oh fuck, what's her name? Um, it's not Laura. It is Rachel Nichols, yeah. yeah but, but the, the oh the other one. Oh, hmm. it's not Laura Sangiacomo. It's the one that looks like her. Oh, it's the woman from uh, Mulholland the Drive. David Lynch. Yeah, uh, twenty six. Oh, span. Oh, and, and it's it. I think that Rachel Nichols and Laura Herring do a really good job. <laughs> Oh, God, was it last year? Two years ago, Bullet Train came out, and they've got Jamie King looking like a 12-year-old girl killing a bunch of people in that movie, too. Wait, but Jamie King is not... She's a, she's a grown-ass woman. Oh, God, I did it again. It's the other Jamie, the one who is in... The one who looks like a girl. Okay. <laughs> Shit, what's her name? Well, it's not Jamie Presley, because she's also an adult, adult woman. I don't know another Jamie that you know of. <laughs> you will. One second. Really? This is not helpful. Bulletproof, the evidence that guns leave behind. Just give me... God damn it. 
So yeah, bloopers, 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 bloopers. Oh boy, um, I think my memory might have been sometimes worse than yours on that. Uh, you know what? It's all just a big haze, isn't it? <laughs> just a little bit. But um, you know what? It's okay. We, we don't have to worry about that because the next category is fun. Of course. And where would we be without our consistent podcasting traits, Trace? So, Trace, I discovered that I have a tendency to start and then stop. And you have this unusual tendency to go, mah, 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 mah. Oh, God, do I? Yeah, it, this is an adult movie, and when adults have sex, they typically don't strategically place L shape. They don't. Tr when adults have sex, they don't. T oh my god! <laughs> double, double. Maybe they outtakes, do. Outtakes. <laughs> this is Park Chan Wook's for. Uh, he had a lot of promise, yeah. and it never quite got there because he tragically died before he really got. And of course, I heard a lot of people, mm, this is going to be a great episode for me. <clears throat> when he started writing the story, his intention began, his intention began, oh my fucking God. <clears throat> his intention became to break all existing taboos. And then we learn that in the car, we see, sorry, I've lost track of character names. And then we see in the car that Nick is... Yeah, sorry. Okay. <laughs> I also love that this movie clearly does not have a huge budget. Like it is no. relying on its actors. It's set principally in just Leah's apartment, and then we go to a little cottage. And then we go to a little cottage. Oh my god! <laughs> but by this point, I was really getting to the. But by this. Well, it's. it's I'm. Blah, blah, blah. Motherfucker. But um, okay. Well, what, do you want to discuss some of the happenings in this movie? Like, what, what, what? Like, let's go. What, 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 blah, 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 blah. Wouldn't more? Wouldn't it be mm -hmm. better? You? Yeah, blah. yeah, yeah. We've got a queer slasher movie. It's. Uh, but like, yeah, like it, it's you know pulling Cheryl's like arms, like you know the, the tire legs. Blah, 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 blah. It's like an oddball sense of humor to it, which is not what you would expect from John Carpenter. Hmm. Well, I'm sorry. I think you can expect oddball sense of humor. I, well, um, blah, 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 blah. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Never mind. Oh God, you were right, Joe. <laughs> it's so painful when you listen to them all in a row. It's really bad, but you know what? It's okay. I will take me speaking too fast and you having to restart a couple sentences over some outright fuck-ups, which we absolutely have done. Oh, always. Yes. So let's listen to a flub or two. Indeed. And cross out horror food. Almost made it. Go to our YouTube channel to check out our interviews with various horror filmmakers, as well as um, just uh, our ex uh, our predictions and excitements for um, a lot of the... Uh, oh, shit, I didn't write this in my notes. Um, <clears throat> it's just uh, our most anticipated horror There we titles. go. That's what I was looking for. We're going to check out the 25th anniversary of Wild Things, Trace. Oh, boy. Oh, boy, boy, boy. Uh, yeah, this is... Um, also, wait, I'm sorry. I thought we were releasing Scream 5 next week. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, cool. Let me just take that all again. <laughs> I was like, I, I, I was going to interrupt you, but I couldn't remember. So I was trying to pull up the schedule. So sorry. What are we watching next? Oh, oh God damn it. It's fine. Uh, I got it. Yeah, got it. Got it. <laughs>
his first movie, the romantic comedy, Where Do We Go From Here, um, which is a romantic comedy set. Blah. Blah. God damn it. <laughs> this is my night to be weird. Uh, I will say, though, there is a five minute blooper reel on this Blu-ray. And um, I'm sorry. Well, there is a five minute blooper reel, but there are audition footage. Uh, God damn it. Well, that and I think the the allegiance or or maybe the alignment. Nope, neither of those words are what I want. I the only reason I can think that they're in here is to show uh, uh, Sophie. T- I, mean, I keep wanting to say Sophie Turner every fucking mm-hmm. time. Uh, <laughs> Charlotte, though, has spent a long time not having fun. So she really wants to go and uh, travel China. Lizzie. Yes. I mean, oh, damn it. Yes. Lizzie. Do you want to take it again? Yep, I do. That went down Charlotte's legs. I, got, I keep calling her Charlotte. God damn it. <laughs> yeah, so Anton is like, cool, I've got minions to do this. So he leaves and he basically is just going to leave the dirty work to Theus and Jeffrey and Charlotte. No. Yeah. It. <laughs> Charlotte says it took this happening, holding her stump up for me to fucking see it. God damn it. <laughs> When did I? Did I, did I, <laughs> I feel and, like it wouldn't be an episode of horror queers without at least one of you mixing up character names. It's uh, God. I don't know why I keep wanting to call Lizzie Charlotte. Um. Anyway. Yes, and if you really want to get in touch with us, um, you should uh, go to our Patreon and get more content by going to Patreon.com/slash/horrorqueers. Uh, if you go, oh, fuck. I I just need to stick to the script. <laughs> I'm pretty. I need to stop saying the same words over and over again. I, I, I feel the exact same way about myself. Dude. I, I think I think it's just like end of the year exhaustion. Yeah, I mean that and we do this a lot. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, I need to be, uh, what's her face, uh, from Clueless where I'm like, I need to expand my vocabulary. I hope uh, not yeah. sporadically. It's where I wish I had. <laughs> yes, yes. So we can recover from one flub, but what happens when we just flub and then flub again and maybe even flub a third or fourth time? I've never done that. I don't know what you're talking about. Hmm. This clip (laughs) begs to differ. Hey, folks. So the beginning of this episode is something that you've heard before. We released the first uh, 18 or so minutes. Check the show notes. uh, When... Oh, my God. We released... Oh, my God. (laughs) We released the first part of this episode back when Swallow debuted at the Overlook. We released the first 18... Oh my god, just stop it! <laughs> it's okay, it's okay. Breathe, just take a breath. <laughs> Evelyn sh- resurfaces trying to blackmail... Uh, oh, sorry. Emily never resurfaces trying to black... God damn it. <laughs> as well as Willow McClay's body talk conversations on... St- as well as Willow McClay's body talk. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> All right, everyone. Um, well, hopefully you've already listened to our episodes, but not watched uh, Pale Blue Eye <laughs> and Scare Package 2. Uh, still to come this... Oh, and of course, our episode on Megan. Still to come... Wait, no. Yep. Yeah, okay. Um, but yeah, so... In our episode, of, blah, blah, okay, here, let me try it again. Hopefully, you've already listened to our episodes on, uh, but not watched the movies of The Pale Blue Eye and Scare Package 2, but still to come. God damn it. <laughs> and listen to our episode on Megan, but still to come this month, we've got episodes on. Oh my god, what the fuck am I doing? 
Um, so obviously Donald is the, hmm. so Donald is obviously the, God damn it. Stop saying that. It's Tuesday. I really liked Elisa's relationship with her nieces, Imogen and Christian played by Kate and Gerard. Uh, Nope. Uh, I really liked Elisa's relationship with her nieces played. Oh my God. I really liked Elisa's relationships with her. (laughs) How many times will it take? You've been saying it correctly. (laughs) It's true. All right, everyone. Well, that'll take care of it, uh, of this. Uh, God damn it. All right, everyone. Well, that'll be attachment for... Nope. Don't want to do that. Yeah. I mean, the the movie is very actively resistant to saying, oh, they've already... Yeah, the movie is very concerned. Like, no, this family has already been to this... Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, she is either corrupt or a villain because she's clearly been keeping... Because she has been... Hmm, because she's clearly been looking out. And, um, of course, for original horror, we are going to be looking at the... <laughs> you know what? Get it out now. Get it out now. I know. Get it out now. For original horror, we are going to begin... Oh, my God. Okay. <clears throat> for original horror, we will be checking out the... <laughs> You're making it so complicated. I know. And Kayla, played by Kirby Baptiste Howell. Kirby Howell Baptiste. Oh, sorry. Uh, And Kayla, played by Kirby Baptiste. Nope. (laughs) Why does this always happen? (laughs) And that film is set in Northern Ireland during the Troubles, an ethno-nationalist conflict and sectarian violence uh, study uh, in Northern Ireland. Sorry, I'll try that again. An ethno-nationalist conflict and... Oh, that's it. Okay, well, I, I put a word in it to mean to do it. But... Yeah, yeah. The the horror... The hell... Nope. <clears throat> we are great at this tonight. Mm-hmm. God damn it, Joe. I hate it when you're so right. <laughs> well, we're both guilty of it. So let's, uh, let's move on, shall we? Well, but you know what, though? Not all of these bloopers are so easy to categorize. So sometimes we're just going to put them in the... Um, other category <laughs> whether it be pets or guest flubbing or just some random shit that we couldn't categorize um here's the, the all of it <laughs> i'm trace and yes we are here to bring you a mini review of a new queer horror film that's out now are you alive <laughs> i am it's my pop filter lives to fall off we're talking, is it true you're a two-bit tart? And we're talking Satan, the black cat. And I'm Joe. <laughs> Sorry, I had the cat and I had the two-bit tart. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> it's okay. Um, do, 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 do. Uh, okay. Hold on, because the tits was my line, too. <laughs> we're getting I took really, the AIDS like, one because I thought you would go with that one. We're, we're, we're really getting in sync with our picks, though. So on a, on a level, I'm really happy about it. There we go. A lot of her struggle seems to be coming from, like, it's an interior struggle. Yes, yes. But it's, yes. Uh, well, but, um, Sorry, that was not a very good prompt for you. No, it's okay. But uh, first, we have to get rid of Annie. And I'm not going to lie, this is a fucking masterpiece sequence. Okay, hold that thought. I'm going to (laughs) pee. How dare you? I know. 
Yes. Also, hold on. I just heard a cabinet open in my kitchen and now I'm like freaked out because it's not supposed to be. Okay. <laughs> must have been above us but it like freaked me out because like, the door was unlocked and i was like oh my god like so i just went through like went through my entire apartment i was like under the under the bed behind the clothes in the closet behind the shower curtain like is someone in here <laughs> oh i mean hello yes you need to you live in a major city where if you have your door open for even a millisecond you owe it to yourself to make sure you're alone in your house like it literally sounded like he was just like he opened something like a, pan, a, a cabinet in the kitchen and just like shut it like I, whatever it must have been upstairs <laughs> anyway okay okay um um, I'm sorry. I'm gonna pee really quick. If y'all can keep talking, but if I don't speak for two minutes, that's why. Okay. 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 <laughs> Jen, shall we keep going? It's up to you. All right, let's keep going because Trace okay. is boring. Oh. <laughs> He'll hear that in the edit, so it's funny. Hey, Trace. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I definitely did. I forgot about this movie, like the whole ending. I'm yeah, sorry. The just, yeah, yeah. The no, it's of course the one time you want to monologue. Your dog is going nuts. <laughs> Should I stop talking about dick? Um, <laughs> there we go. No, you can always continue to talk about dick. <laughs> yeah, it's a good point. Sorry, I'm pausing because my dog might bark. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry for the might bark. Yeah, sorry for the editing situation. I can hear it like rumbling. Sorry. Oh, you're fine. <laughs> This element of, like, Jewish mothers can be naggy, they can be nitpicky. Oh my god, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's a new location, we haven't lived here long, so he just doesn't know right. where the sounds yet. Oh. I'm gonna go get him. I'm, give me two seconds, I'm so sorry. You're fine, You're fine. don't worry stand about it. Down. I'll be right back, hold on. <laughs> And most of this information comes from various interviews and editorials from magazines in the late 90s, uh, around the time the film came out. These include Entertainment Weekly, but... Boys! Stop! These include Entertainment Weekly, the Chicago Tribune. These include Entertainment Weekly. Boys! <laughs> These include Entertainment Weekly. And welcome back to Chucky Queers. It's our weekly coverage of Don Mancini's sci-fi series. And I'm Joe. <laughs> and I'm Trace. And... <laughs> Shut up. Perfect timing. <laughs> I know. Well, but I will say, though... Oh, shit, sorry, y'all. My dog is scratching on the door. Give me, like... 10 seconds yep and so <laughs> unfortunately if you're having issues with this pg-13 thing um this uh is basically proving that they're 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 tack hold on yeah i think part of what that is okay so i'm taking all of this this is me they're not even out of their crate they hear a dog barking mm -hmm. but then once park oh shit hold on one second Mm -hmm. Hey, Butters, go to bed, buddy. Go to bed, buddy. Come on. Go, go, go. 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 Seriously, go. Butters, go. Uh, sorry, I didn't put them in their crates because Butters woke me up at five in the morning vomiting all over our bedroom. Aww. And so he's been sick all day. And so I was like, I'll just leave you out. But now he's like spry again. Anyway. <laughs> okay. Um... I think my favorite is still that one where you weren't sure if someone had broken into your house in the middle of a recording. I y'all <laughs> wild times it's really scary though when it happens when you're alone <laughs> <laughs> and then there was this other fun thing that you developed thankfully it was a habit we broke in you but it did take about half a year Trace what comes to mind when I do this okay oh okay <laughs> um is it because I clap a lot Joe <laughs> So yeah, uh, everyone, that is... Okay, wait, stop. 
I need you to break this habit immediately. Mm -hmm. You have started clapping every time you close an episode. Oh, really? Yep. (laughs) I don't even know. Okay, noted. Um, So, yeah, uh, yeah, that's a new year, new you. But did I just do it again? (laughs) No, you Um, but yeah, everyone, well, I, I, we, oh, I don't know, let me, uh, you definitely clapped again. I, cl- I clapped? Mm-hmm. I don't even know what I'm, I'm telling you. I'm, okay. Keep, keep, keep pointing, you know, keep pointing it out. You know, I'll, maybe I'll, it'll finally stick one day. <laughs> um, okay, but yeah, so then we get our first Okay, rewind. wait, Trace. Oh. If you fucking clap again, oh, I'll come fuck. to your house <laughs> and beat you. <laughs> I, t- I don't even know that I'm doing, I don't know that I'm doing it. I think the park is the MVP. I just clapped. To the point where, if you look at it, you can actually see Nicholson almost loses his footing as he lands because mm-hmm. it's like yes! he is into it. Yes, yes, I clapped, but yes, <laughs> <laughs> I clapped because I was excited. I was like, I saw the same fucking thing. So, everyone, sh- oh, I just clapped. <laughs> Always. There we go. There we go. We, there we, we made go. it out of the hole, folks. <laughs> oh my god. Also, if you don't stop clapping, I will kill you. Oh shit. Sorry. <laughs> Again, peek behind the curtain, Joe. We have discovered that I clap a lot when I speak. <laughs> he gets too excited. It's so funny. <laughs> I clapped. Sorry. Um, you sure did. <laughs> I did. I did. It's, I know. I heard it. Yeah, Let's, you're done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, God damn it. I clapped again. Ah, um, so I, I'm catching So it many now. bloopers. <laughs> Um, okay, well, yeah, I, I, oh my god, I almost did it again. <laughs> oh my god, so much clapping. It's, it's just like an automatic reaction my hand does when I get really excited. It's either a clap or it's a, which you can absolutely <laughs> hear on some of our recordings. <laughs> oh god. Yeah, weird shit happens when you podcast. Absolutely. But, uh, I don't know, it's, uh, pretty par for the course, I guess. I'm proud of this year, you should be proud of this year. It's been a ride, Joe. Uh, that sounds like we're ending the podcast. We're not, y'all. We have another year ahead of us. At, at least a year. At yeah. least, at least, at least. <laughs> <laughs> no, just another year, then we're done. <laughs> yeah, six and out. That's been the game plan the whole time. It's like we're, we're the cast members of Community. We're just looking to get that six years in a movie. Oh my god, if, uh... Uh, my life is not so interesting, but I would love for a movie to be made about us, and just, I want to know who's going to play me. Oh, boy. Uh, folks, fan cast Trace in a movie. (laughs) 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 All right, everyone, well, that has been our, that's in 2023, right? We've wrapped up our bloopers, we've wrapped up our best of the year, um, and fuck, we'll talk to y'all in 2024. (laughs) There we go. I guess we can cross out horror queers. (laughs) 